Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, the first reading for this weekend and the gospel, which are meant to be read in tandem, are very good examples of what I've called principles of spiritual physics. What I mean is they lay out some ideas and relationships that are fundamental to the spiritual order. Laws, if you want. You know, often when it it sounds like punishment or threats, what's being discussed are these laws. You know, you could say, oh, that guy's threatening me. If I drive my my car off the cliff, it's going to crash. Well, it's not really a threat. He's just laying out the laws of physics. So there are spiritual laws, too, that obtain in a similar way. Well, both readings have a good deal to say about riches. So in the first reading, Solomon, who is the archetype of the wise man. And this is, of course, taken from the book of wisdom appropriately. Here's what he says. I pleaded and a spirit of wisdom came to me. I preferred her to scepter and throne and deemed riches nothing in comparison to her, nor did I liken any price, priceless gem to her, because all gold in view of her is a little sand. That's a wonderful little um, move going on there. It, it, it behooves all of us to spend a little time with that. First of all, when Solomon speaks of wisdom, he's, he's not talking primarily about academic knowledge, but rather, I would say, the clarity of mind and heart that comes from a deep friendship with God. That's a wisdom. That's a wise person. In other words, she's got a clarity of mind and heart that's born of a deep friendship with God. I'm sure we've all known people, I have certainly, who aren't very well educated, but are deeply wise. You know, they know things in a deep sense. So Solomon's point, and boy, is it basic in the spiritual tradition, is that this kind of intimate friendship with the Lord is far more important than any of the goods of the world. Now, I know it's hard for someone who's not made this move to get it. And and it's interesting, pastorally speaking, because you run into people that all they know is the realm of, of material goods and wealth and so on. They haven't made the transition. The great philosopher Pascal distinguishes between the body, the mind, and the heart. So the body is one dimension of our, of our uh, being. It has to do with you know, sense experience and with pleasures and so on. Then the mind is a much higher. That's the area of philosophy and mathematics and physics and the sciences. And when you've made that transition, I mean, you begin to taste these higher, more refined pleasures. But then Pascal says a further level emerges, which is that of the heart. And this really is the human being in relation to the highest and deepest things, uh, in relation to God. One of the tragedies, Pascal thinks, is people get stuck. They get stuck at the level of the body. They never make the transition out of it. They're they're sensualists. 
Or some people get into the mind but never reach the level of the heart, right? Or think here of Thomas Aquinas, my, my great spiritual hero. His famous reaction when one of his Dominican brothers mused how wonderful it would be to own the entire city of Paris. They were, they were approaching the city from the distance and they saw the, the skyline of it. And Thomas Aquinas responded, oh, how I'd rather have that Chrysostom manuscript on Matthew. <laughs> you know, he wanted, he wanted this, this beautiful biblical commentary. He wanted it more than the whole city of Paris. Well, a sensualist isn't going to get that. But someone that's moved to a deeper level understands perfectly. Well, see, listen again to Solomon. The wisdom came to me. I preferred her to scepter and throne. That means all the power, you know, and, and, and honor of, of the kingship. I deemed riches nothing in comparison to her. I mean, riches compared to wisdom? Nothing. I didn't liken any priceless gem to her because, because all gold in view of her is a little sand. See, he's made the transition. He's escaped from the cave. He's come to a higher level. He says, beyond health and comeliness, I loved her health, beauty, you know, these things that people spend their whole lives searching for and clinging to. All of them are less than intimacy with God. And then we find, I think, this extremely interesting observation. And here's the physics I'm talking about. Solomon again says, Yet all good things together came to me in her company and countless riches at her hand. It's the paradox, right? He's moved beyond power and wealth and, and fame and all this. But yet, once he had wisdom, all good things together came to me in her company. See, here's the principle. Without wisdom, we won't know what to do with the goods of the world, and they will eventually turn on us. With wisdom we will know how to use and enjoy even the simplest things that we have. And they will enhance our life 30, 60, and 100-fold. Does that make sense, everybody? See, with, without you don't have wisdom. Well, then you'd be the richest guy in the world. You'd be the most powerful guy in the world. But you won't know what to do with rich and power, riches, riches and power. And they will, in fact, turn on you. I mean, watch almost every movie. Read any great story. They're about this sort of motif. But... If you've got wisdom, even the little wealth or the little uh, power you have, you'll know what to do with them, and they will actually enhance your life and the lives of others. The wisdom, the relationship with God, must come first. Then riches, health, fame, power, all good things, but they will find their proper place in terms of that relationship. Flip it around. When any of those worldly goods takes the central position, chaos follows. Bible says this, every story, every film will tell you this story. See, and this is why, everybody, so many spiritual seekers across the centuries, across the cultures, across the religions, have walked away from the goods of the world. Again, think of wise figures and religious figures across the world. It's not because they saw them as bad in themselves, but they wanted 
actively to bracket them for the sake of something greater. Does that make sense? Think of the way we fast, you know, during Lent, or you fast from power or, or honor. Because they're bad in themselves? No, but you're trying to loosen their grip on you. You're trying to rearrange your priorities so that you seek wisdom. Think of, of the Lord in, in the reaction to the temptation from the devil. You know, It's not by bread alone that man lives, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's someone that's made the transition out of the mere body into the higher realm of the mind and the heart, right? It's by the word of God that we live first, then we'll know what to do with sensual and bodily pleasure. Okay, so that's the principle, and it's laid out really clearly in, uh, in our first reading. And we see it, I think, beautifully exemplified in the famous story at the heart of our gospel reading the narrative of the rich young man. So much we can say about this story. I'll just say a few simple things. The beauty of this young fellow is that he has certainly sensed there's more to life than worldly goods. Or if I may put it this way, that he's right on the cusp. He's a, he's a wealthy person, used to sensual pleasure. But he clearly is sensing there's something more. Now, how do we know this? Well, because he runs up to Jesus. I always love that detail. You know, this is not like a calmly uh, uh, philosophical musing going on. This is someone, life and death, he, he runs up with the full energy of youth. And he inquires after eternal life. Boy, that's a good instinct, isn't it? He knows, as any perceptive person would, that there's nothing eternal about wealth, power, pleasure, or honor. I mean, let's face it, they come and they go. And yet the heart longs for the eternal. Put it in Solomon's terms, it longs for wisdom. So good, Jesus approves this move, you know? And he draws them into the rudiments of the spiritual life. So the first move, you know, you want eternal life? Eliminate those practices that alienate you from others and from God. That's why he says to him, follow the commandments. I mean, you know the commandments. And the young man says, and, and I have no reason not to believe him, that he's done so all his life. In other words, he's also here in a good spiritual position. He's sensed there's more to life than sensual pleasure. And he's begun to figure out, yeah, following these commandments, you know, eliminating egregious violations of love, that's key to spiritual development. So coming to wisdom on the border, he's eager for the real stuff. And so, now listen, spiritual seekers out there. I, I bet there are a lot of you like this, this young man. So Jesus responds to this good quest with high-octane spirituality. Listen, you are lacking one thing. Go, sell what you have, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. In other words, what's he saying? Come and drink at the very font of wisdom. Let go of the many possessions you have so that because they're, they're weighing you down. Make your friendship with God absolutely central in your life. As I say, high-octane stuff. This is serious level of spirituality. Now, what follows is 
I think, one of the saddest scenes in the entire Bible. Because it's one of the only times that Jesus calls and someone doesn't answer. Isn't it true? I mean, usually when Jesus calls, people, they, you know, Zacchaeus and Matthew and, you know, etc. But listen, at that statement, his face fell and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. At that decisive moment, he couldn't let go of the worldly philosophy that happiness comes from filling ourselves up with possessions. Boy, he, he sensed that it's not true. He stood on the, on the very border of it. But at the key moment, he wasn't able to let go. And then, see, Jesus makes the observation that's not vindictive. It's simply a spiritual fact. How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. See, what's he saying? How hard it is to break free of the programming that we've received. How hard it is to let go, even though we know all of our hanging on is making us miserable. But then, listen, same principle as in the first reading. That paradox. When you opt for friendship with Christ as the center of your life, you'll actually come to have the goods of the world more completely. Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, there is no one who's given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake who will not receive a hundred times more now in this present age and eternal life in the age to come. In other words, put wisdom first and you'll actually have a deeper and fuller appreciation of the goods of the world. Great stuff, high-octane stuff on display in these two readings. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.